Good morning, goddesses and gods alike. This is Shannon, and I'm your host, and you're listening to the Goddess Morning Show podcast, where you can tune in every weekday morning for an approximately 20-minute long episode to start your day with updates on things that matter to a community of awake and conscious individuals who seek the divine feminine in all we do. We sift through all the copious amounts of information on the internet to bring you news and information on the things that matter to you. Tune in to hear about environmental news and book releases, interviews with thought leaders influencing the awakening of humanity, the moon phases, planetary positions, crystal healing, herbal and holistic health, guidance on green living, and that's just naming a few. Please remember to subscribe and leave a review on whatever platform you are listening to us on right now. Be blessed. Namaste. Good morning. It is March 26th, 2020. It is Thursday. I am Shannon, and this is the Goddess Morning Show. We're going to start out talking about astrology. And the article comes to us from mindbodygreen.com, and it was written by the Astro Twins. Astrology tells us the Aries new moon is a fresh start and we'll take it. And it was written March 22nd of this year. Aries is the first sign of the zodiac, sending our focus to fresh starts, creative opportunities, and new beginnings. This is one of the most fertile times of the year for planting seeds. Ruled by red-hot Mars, Aries energy fires up our passion and gives us the courage to compete, even fight for our dreams. As a new moon arrives in Aries, we can set bold intentions that will unfold between now and the Aries full moon on October 1st. Here are six ways to maximize the mojo of Zodiac's ram with a lunar-powered twist. Number one, let anger lead your passion. Be honest, what pisses you off to no end? Anger in and of itself is not a negative. It's how we use it constructively or deconstructively that determines everything. The new moon in Aries calls forth our inner warriors. The things that make us fume are often pointers to our passions. This new moon can awaken our slumbering activism. Founding feminist Gloria Steinem is born under the sign of the ram, as was civil rights and labor activist Cesar Chavez. Their confident, courageous, world-changing impact is an example of harnessing Aries' ire to start a revolutionary fire. We all have the power within us to shape the world. Rather than raging randomly when we're feeling frustrated, we can create constructive change, fighting the good fight for our beliefs. Number two, find your fight. Sometimes it's smart to throw in the towel. You're done and the energy you expend is never going to pay off. In that case, it might be quitting time. But other times, fear of the unknown is why you suddenly have that migraine, cancel plans, pick a fight with loved ones, crave another candy bar, cigarette, or drink. Take inventory today and see where you've given up too soon. Then hoist yourself up and get back on the map. Number three, be selfish for a cause. Nakedly honest and unapologetic, Aries energy can stun us with entitlement. It's also can inspire inspire us. Aries is unafraid to want more, to desire, and this can be the basis for prosperity. In our amateur Kabbalah studies, we learned an interesting principle. Kabbalah teaches that there are two kinds of desire. 
the desire to receive in order to share, and the desire to receive for the self alone. When we want just for ourselves, we burn out fast. When we desire an abundant crop to feed the village, the universe is happy to give us more and more. Number four, tune your passion-o-meter to E for excitement. When was the last time you felt genuine excitement or joy about something? The Aries new moon prompts us to awaken that molecule-swirling, spine-tingling feeling, as difficult as that can be in times like these. As we've heard it said, emotions are E-motion, energy in motion. When we can feel something, we can move it. So let joy and passion help you get unstuck. Trippy but truthful spirit medium Daryl Anka, who channels an, an entity called Bashar, speaks about finding your highest excitement. While you might get a giggle out of Bashar's inflections if you watch his videos, we love his directive. Always do the thing that you find most exciting first. As he says, following the excitement is actually the shortest, fastest, straightest path. Excitement leads to synchronicities, which tell us we're plugged into a higher field of consciousness and attraction. So the next time you're stuck in analysis paralysis, just look for the next exciting thing that can take action on and do it. Embrace your inner fame monster. Daring in your face Aries is the Zodiac superstar, so it's no surprise that self-possessed fame monster Lady Gaga was born this way. She's in good company. Diana Ross, Celine Dion, Aretha Franklin, Shaka Khan, and Mariah Carey also are all Aries divas. Under the lunar spell of this new moon, we could tear a sequin swatch from their repertoires. Commit to developing a talent this week, one that could potentially catapult you into the public eye. Singing, dancing, acting, writing, design, photography, debate, engineering, urban farming. What's your poison? This new moon wants us to pursue our passions and awaken our gifts. Who knows? We could see our names in lights near the Aries full moon six months from now. The journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step. So take it now, whether a teensy baby step or a confident stride in precariously high heels. Number six, but don't let it go to your head. As the head of the zodiac, Aries rules the cranium, and this new moon turns our healing focus there. Pro tip, dehydration is often a major cause of headaches. Keep a pitcher of filtered H2O with decadent slices of lemon or cucumber, perhaps, close at hand. Refill your glass regularly while you plan the new world order. Or nurture your noggin with a ritual that imbalances your crown chakra energy. This will ensure that you don't fall prey to tension headaches or ego trips, both signs of a crown chakra gone awry. Work with crystals that boost white and violet light energy, which are the colors of this chakra. Moonstone, clear quartz, opal, amethyst, and yes, diamonds are all gemstones that can level us out. Hold them in your hand, place them in your line of vision, or wear them as jewelry. Smelling essential oils can also bring us back to our crowning glory. Try jasmine, sandalwood, chamomile, or lemongrass. Ah, sweet relief. Okay, our next article is the only yoga pose you need for great sleep, explained by founder of Hope's Yoga, Hope Nasher. It was last updated on February 6th of this year. It says, want better sleep? You might try yoga. A Harvard study on insomnia found that people who consistently practiced yoga for just eight weeks slept better and longer than those who didn't practice. 
If you only have time for one pose, make it this one. Legs up the wall, also known as Viparita Karani. This asana is considered a restorative, gentle inversion, and while it's usually practiced at the end of a yoga class, it can be helpful on its own to relax the body. How to practice legs up the wall. When you're able to relax the body, it becomes easier to relax the mind, setting the stage for more restful sleep. Practice the legs up the wall pose at night before getting into bed or in the middle of the night when sleep is elusive. Add in some gentle breathing and the effects are even better. This pose can be practiced by beginners and beyond. Sit sideways with your right side against the wall. Exhale and gently swing your legs up the wall and your shoulders and head lightly down onto the floor. Coming into this pose may take some practice. Your sits bones don't need to be right up against the wall depending on the tightness of your hamstrings. Experiment with position until you find the placement that works for you. This pose is not intended to stretch the backs of the legs, so if you're feeling the pull in the hamstrings, move further away from the wall. Keep the lower back grounded to the floor. Make a small roll with a hand towel to place under your neck if the cervical spine at the base of your neck feels too flat. Open your shoulder blades away from your spine and release your hands and arms out to your side, palms up. Keep your legs relatively firm, just enough to hold them vertically in place. If you struggle to keep your legs upright, take a yoga strap or something similar and place it around your legs just below the knees and gently tighten to hold the legs upright, allowing you to further relax into the pose. Gently close and soften your eyes, then scan the body. Soften into any tightness you might find along the way. You can deepen your experience and the calming effect of this pose by focusing on the breath. Begin by placing one hand on the lower belly and one hand over the heart. Expand your awareness to include natural rhythms of your breath. Once comfortable here, begin to take slow, gentle, and deep inhales and exhales without forcing and straining. Try to make the length of the exhales match your inhales. Equal breathing, called Sama Vritti. In yoga, Sama meaning even and smooth and Vritti meaning fluctuations is said to create a balance of the flow of consciousness, smoothing fluctuations of the mind into stillness. Stay in this pose for anywhere from 5 to 20 minutes, allowing your breath to return to normal for at least a few minutes. Stay present with the same sense of calm and equanimity that this pose brings. When you're ready to come out, bend your knees halfway towards your chest and roll to one side. Use your arms to help you sit up, moving slowly and mindfully. Performing quiet, restorative poses can help you calm your body and mind, relieving stress and anxiety. When the legs are stretched up the wall and are higher than the heart, gravity can help the circulation of both blood and lymphatic fluid. Although legs up the wall is safe for most individuals, those who are pregnant or that have been diagnosed with glaucoma, high blood pressure, or any serious problems with the neck or spine should consult their doctor first. All right, and we have another article from Mind Body Green, and it says a case for sound therapy, how vibrations can heal our bodies, written by Kulreet Chardadi, MD. It said, and this was written on March 11th, sorry, of this year. The human body is designed to be exquisitely sensitive to sound. In utero, our ability to hear develops by about 18 weeks, making it one of the earliest senses to develop. By the end of the second trimester, research has shown that a fetus sp responds specifically to the sound of a mother's voice. 
Doctors and hospice workers speculate that in the final moments of life, senses depart one at a time with hearing being the last to go, which is why we're advised to keep talking to our loved ones even if after it seems they are no longer cognizant. Hearing is, in this way, one of our first and last modes of connection. And as science begins to understand more about the healing vibratory quality of sound, modern sound therapy is catching up with the wisdom of the ancients. Through the sounds we might imagine are something like voices or music from a pure physics perspective, sound is silent. When we experience sound, what is actually happening is vibrations are passing through matter, be it a gas, fluid, or solid in the form of a wave. Think of it as a slinky stretched between two people. If one person gives their end a push, the slinky ripples forward until it reaches the other person, then bounces back, continuing on and on. When considering the ways we have evolved to be giant sound conductors, our skin, bones, ears, as well as the water that makes up the large percent of our bodies all pick up sound waves. It makes sense that both inaudible and audible vibrations would have a profound effect on us. Recent research shows that we pick up both audible and inaudible sound all the way down to cellular level. In 2015, a study was published by biomedical engineering researchers from Columbia University building on the groundbreaking discovery that antenna-like structures containing an array of proteins on our cell membranes called primary cilium receive and respond to vibrational energy fields as sound, light, and radio frequencies. If a vibration in the environment resonates with the receptor's antenna, it alters the protein's charges, causing the cell to change shape. This is a breathtaking discovery given that defects in primary cilium have been linked to illnesses as wide-ranging as arthritis, polycystic kidney disease, obesity, heart failure, and cancer. And if this structure is indeed receptive to such vibrational frequencies, the implication, one that is currently being researched, is that sound waves may have the capacity to reshape cell structures in a way that could help treat these illnesses. This is the very principle that sound medicine is built on, when we are ill, the body's natural order of frequencies is altered, but when we are exposed to certain external vibrations and sound, our internal rhythms can be calmed or restored. For example, music therapy has been found to be helpful in reducing depression and anxiety. A 2009 review of 23 studies covering almost 1,500 patients found that listening to music reduced heart rate, blood pressure, and anxiety in heart disease patients. This idea has been passed on through history from many cultures, ancient Egyptians, Aborigines, Tibetan monks, Native American shamans, and Vedic masters among them. These groups have variously used chants, mantras, song, and musical instruments to restore the vibrational frequencies of the body and mind, understanding instinctively what scientists were later able to prove. There is a direct relationship between environmental sound and our physiological health. Although sound medicine, as it was practiced by the ancients, is beginning to reemerge in modern medicine, we haven't yet embraced the capability and dynamism of the human body and spirit. If, though, we can synthesize, synthesize the evidence-based practice of Western medicine, 
with the metaphysical concepts of ancient cultures and alternative medicine, we will be rewarded with stunning discoveries. All right. That was a little hard to get through because my dog was distracting me and making me laugh. I am so sorry. Sometimes when he's on the bed right here next to me doing his thing while I'm recording this, he actually, um, on his bed, he actually uh, makes me trip up on my words and that makes me start laughing because he's actually a very funny dog. <laughs> so anyway, I apologize. All right. So seven house plants that purify the air and are nearly impossible to kill. Written by Aaron Marino, and it was last updated on February 20th of this year. It says bringing plants indoors is a sustainable way to improve indoor air quality quickly. Yep, one commonly cited NASA study found certain plants to be useful in absorbing harmful gases and cleaning indoor air. Through house plants, Though houseplants won't clear the air nearly as much as, say, an air filter, they come with other bonuses too. They're aesthetically pleasing and can make us feel more connected to nature, content, and calm at home. Here are seven detoxifying plant varieties that can tolerate moderate to low light levels. Consider them the building blocks of any great indoor jungle. Number one is the Boston Fern. Removes low levels of formaldehyde, xylene, and toluene in from the air thrives in moderate indirect sunlight and high humidity and it's great for a hanging basket or planter on a pedestal or atop a shelf number two spider plant removes low levels of formaldehyde xylene and toluene from the air and it thrives in moderate indirect sunlight and cooler temperatures number three pothos it removes Benzene, formaldehyde, xylene, and toluene from the air and thrives in moderate to low indirect sunlight. Number four is the peace lily, and it removes low levels of benzene, formaldehyde, trichloroethylene, xylene, toluene, and ammonia from the air. It thrives in moderate to low indirect sunlight. And number five is the Chinese evergreen removes low levels of benzene and formaldehyde and thrives in low indirect light. And number six is the snake plant, removes low levels of benzene, formaldehyde, trichloroethylene, xylene, and toluene from the air and thrives in moderate to low indirect light. And it is unbelievably hardy but it converts carbon dioxide into oxygen at night. Most other common houseplants only do this during the day. So that's an extra bonus for the snake plant. And number seven, philodendron. It removes low levels of formaldehyde, thrives in moderate to low indirect light, and it's a quick growing trail plant known for its heart-shaped leaves. And it says, while houseplants can certainly help filter toxins from the air, they do so gradually over time. If you suspect that you have poor air quality, you should read up on the top chemicals of concern and how to get rid of them quickly. All right, our next article is Simple Witchery, Witchcraft in the Time of the Coronavirus, written by Willow Rose on March 19th of this year. This is practical magic for precautions and protections. 
As the witching community responds to the increasing threat of coronavirus, I'm seeing a lot of protection spells and rituals being shared. As a witch, I'm proud that our community comes together in trying times for the good of all. Let's all take a moment to be grateful for that. Then, let's roll up our sleeves and get to work. Simple witchcraft is practical magic, combining the magical with the mundane. Here are some practical magic tips for keeping yourself, loved ones, and community safe. Number one, stay home. If you don't have to go out for work, stay home. Limit shopping to essential needs only. Witches are familiar with the power of the unseen and the magic of transference. We know we can send and receive something as etheric as energy. So, of course, we understand how a living organism, a virus, can travel by casual physical contact, regardless that it can't be seen. This might be the easiest protocol for witches to follow, and I'm not talking about the stereotype of witches being mostly introverts. Even the most extroverted witches who have done shadow work know themselves. We are comfortable with ourselves and are not intimidated by the idea of spending time isolated from others. We don't need the distraction of a busy social schedule to keep us from the truth because we seek the truth every day. Number two, create a barrier. Of course, we are all creating energetic boundaries. I personally have cast a circle around my home, loved ones, called on earth to absorb the virus and transform it into something harmless for air to feed that fire that will burn and purify the cells of the virus, rendering it harmless, and for water to cleanse Mother Earth and all her living creatures. It might also be wise to offer contrition and ask forgiveness of Earth and nature for the damage we have caused. There are many spells and rituals being shared throughout the community, like a prayer to Bridget um, from Martha Kirby Capo and an immunity-boosting sigil from Laura Tempest Zakroff. Spray or wipe surfaces with disinfectant solution. Don't overlook mundane cleaning of your home and spaces before, during, and after setting your magical boundaries. The best information currently available is that plain bleach, the original, not any of the scented options, has the greatest efficacy for killing the virus. Having worked in food service, this makes, me, this makes sense to me. We were required by health department regulation to have a solution of bleach and water for wiping down all surfaces in the kitchen, prep areas, and the seating and tables in the dining area. The proper ratio is one-third cup bleach per one gallon of water or two tablespoons bleach per one quart of water. This will give you a thousand parts per million disinfecting solution. After cleaning the area with your favorite cleaning solution, spray or wipe with surfaces with, surfaces with the disinfectant. Make sure to allow surfaces to fully air dry. Do not mix bleach with any other cleaners. It creates toxic fumes that will overcome you quicker than you think and cause serious damage to the respiratory system. Safest practice is to not mix any cleaning products. For similar reasons, I wouldn't recommend adding essential oils to bleach as they have their own volatile qualities. However, you can still magic up your disinfectant solution with fresh herbs or dried. I have a profusion of mint from my garden and often add that to cleaning water. Lemon rind is also a favorite. Both have magical properties of cleansing and purifying. And let's be honest, a little luck never hurts, so I toss in a few cloves. I also add sage as an offering to goddess energy. In this case, I would appeal specifically to the mother nature archetype. Maintaining integrity. I've cleaned my home and vehicles and consider them safe zones. In a mundane manner, maintaining integrity means keeping those spaces as germ-free as possible. If there is any reason to let others into my home or vehicles, I have hand sanitizer and sanitizing spray. 
you know the one that says it kills 99.9% of germs. And in my house, I ask them to remove their shoes and I spray those. I ask them to use the hand sanitizer. I have masks available, but honestly, if they are coughing or displaying other symptoms of illness, I'm probably not going to invite them into my spaces. My husband is a high-risk group with chronic respiratory respiratory conditions already, and I'm a crone over 60. If I must leave my home for groceries or other necessities, I take sanitized wipes with me to use when opening doors, and I wear disposable gloves. If you've been unable to purchase gloves, wear cotton or other other ones that you can wash regularly. Simply soak them in your bleach solution, rinse, and dry. When I return to my car, I sanitize my hands and every surface I've touched, and even those I may not have. If I can reach it, I'll wipe it down. At home, I wash my hands immediately, then sanitize the door handle, faucets, and handles, and anything else I may have touched. I spray my shoes and leave them in the entryway. It's still quite cold where I live, dipping below freezing at night, so germ killer. I wipe down any products I've brought in. I have a friend who sets his purchases by his wood stove where the heat can kill virus. I can't say if that works or not. Maintaining the integrity integrity of my safe zones magically means regular, thoughtful practice, including recharging my intentions and the magical energy I've called on. I like to do this by smudging with sacred herbs, incense, herbs, and herbal or essential oil mists, if you are or others are sensitive to smoke, all work as well. I make a mist with filtered water, adding a few sage leaves and essential oils of lemongrass, rosemary, lavender, and mint. Whether you, are, whether you use sacred smoke or mist, light a candle, or simply ground and center, appeal to the energies uh, that you're choosing to hold your home and personal spaces in protection from illness and harm. I don't perform this ritual every day, just as often as I feel called. And as far as hygiene goes, wash your hands frequently and thoroughly. Any good soap will do, but antibacterial provides an extra boost. There are many infographics and memes out there to help you establish a routine of thoughtful hand washing for a minimum of 20 seconds. And it says, hand washing is an excellent place to add your magic by including protection and cleansing herbs in commercial hand wash liquid. If you're really a crafty witch, making your own soap with desired herbs and magic. And remember that your hands are magical tools. They receive and send energy, calling in protection and healing. According to experts, hand sanitizer is best reserved for times when soap and water are not available. I keep a small bottle in each vehicle and one in my purse. And of course, the ones I offer to those visiting my homes. If you can't find hand sanitizer to purchase, there is a simple recipe that involves aloe vera gel and witch hazel, as well as essential oils. So, um, I am going to wrap up this episode of this podcast. This energy actually, this, this article actually goes on to give a recipe for the hand sanitizer gel, but we are, I already posted that in the show notes of a different episode. So I'm just going to post the rest of this article that talks about nutrition by using, um, your vitamins and elderberry. And then, uh, we'll talk about the rest of it tomorrow. 
So join us for another episode tomorrow and we'll continue talking about these topics that interest us in a community that follows the divine feminine. I'm so glad you joined us today and I hope that you are staying blessed and safe as well as very, very healthy. And I wish you all the best of luck in finding groceries and all the things that you need essentially to stay safe and peaceful in your homes right now. So thank you for joining me. Blessings and namaste. This episode of the Goddess Morning Show is brought to you by FromAshesWeRiseTo.com where you can get wellness coaching using holistic methods of healing, purchase our handcrafted, custom-blended, organic, non-GMO herbal teas that are crafted with love, and also order hand-poured soy candles infused with love and pure essential oils and herbs to heal using aromatherapy. Visit our website at fromasheswerise2.com. That's from Ashes We Rise with the number two dot com to read more about these products and services. Have a blessed day.